Hey y'all, happy Tuesday. Welcome back to Eco Chic, a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. My name is Laura Diaz. I'm really happy to have you here. If you like Eco Chic, if you like this episode or have enjoyed us in the past, please go ahead and leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps me out a lot. And honestly, like I just don't ask for much. So it takes two seconds. You can do it right here in the podcast app. I really appreciate all of the ratings and reviews and feedback, and I love when y'all share the podcast on your stories on Instagram. It feels so nice to just like see that you guys are really enjoying the show. Today, we are sitting down with one of my very, very best friends, Dana Rodriguez, and Dana is a master's student at Columbia University in New York City. She studies art history, and we are friends from UNC Chapel Hill, where I did my undergrad. Dana came out for her spring break to come see me in Arizona, and we've been having a really good time, so we sat down one night, had a glass of wine, and just started talking about art because this is something that has been kind of on my mind for a little while. I did introduce a little bit in the episode that Brooke Cecile, friend of the podcast, really awesome listener, I would love to answer a question she had about sustainable art. And while I am a big fan of art, I was actually an art history minor in college, I actually don't know a whole lot about like the processes and the industries. I just kind of appreciate it. So I thought it would be a lot of fun to just like sit down with Dina and pick her brain a little bit about art as a whole, as a lifestyle, as a movement, and just how that fits in with the environmental conversation. So without further ado, we're going to get right into it today. And I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Dina. Before we get started, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? I'm Dana. Laura and I have known each other since undergrad, but now I'm a master's student at Columbia University in New York, and I'm studying modern art, contemporary, curatorial, and critical studies. All right, awesome. I'm really, really excited to be talking to you today because we woke up this morning and I had to just kind of like get off my chest this question that has been kind of lingering in my head. Friend of the podcast, Brooke Cecile, has reached out about sustainable art. And it's something that she kind of like mentioned on the fly. And I've been thinking about a lot because I think there's a lot of different perspectives that you can talk about sustainable art from. And when I first started thinking about it, I was like, okay, let's talk about paints and like, how do you dispose of paints? And can oil paints go down the same sink as everything else, et cetera? And do we need to think about brushes and the hairs on that? And the more I started thinking about it, the more I realized that you can really go in a lot of angles with this. So you are by far my most like art knowledgeable friend. And I would love to talk to you about art as a cultural lifestyle type movement perspective on a lot of things. So I would love to talk about sustainable art and like what that would mean to you. I feel like that's kind of a loaded question. When I think about sustainable art, I think about like those turtles that are made out of debris that you found on the ocean. Right. To bring some sort of awareness to something. So I would love to talk to you about debris art, I guess, from a really basic perspective as a starter point. Yeah. Okay, so I feel like that's definitely a thing. But when you're thinking about the people that are famous or like written into the textbooks, it's not it's not that common. You don't really think of people that are reusing something in like the famous sense of it. But there are like a couple of people that come to mind that are like contemporary that would be like famous people, I guess, that sell high at auctions. I guess those people would be... John Chamberlain, who does these like car sculptures. So he will take cars that were going for a junkyard or they are in a junkyard and he just mushes them. And so it's like molded metal sculptures that when you first look at it, you wouldn't necessarily know that that's a car. Like it's unrecognizable. They're like blocks or like very abstract sculptures, but they're all like 
reuse cars. So that's like a very specific example of everything about that is reused. There's nothing that he's bought new in any aspect. So the other artist that I was thinking about that does like more trash related things that is like leftover metals in specific, like you think about bottle caps. And so he does these like weaved bottle cap sculptures that hang on the wall that kind of look like a tapestry almost, but that's Elana Tsui. And he, it's just, again, like very, very specifically only recycled materials. So those are the only thing that I could think of off the top of my mind. I guess those are contemporary, someone that maybe started the idea of art being something that's not just painting or marble or like these old school kind of things that we think of as like classical art materials was like Marcel Duchamp. So he was like this ready-made guy that Mm -hmm. did, um, like he literally took a urinal and signed it and like said that this is art. And then he took like a stool and put a wagon wheel on top of it. And so like this term ready-made in art is meant to denote something that is strictly someone else made it. You took it and called it art, maybe changed it a little bit. So that's like extremely recyclable materials as well. No, I think that's a really good overview. I feel like Marcel Duchamp was someone who really stuck with me when I like first started learning about art history. Like when I took my first AP art history class Mm -hmm. in high school, that was something that really shook me because the idea of ready-made art is kind of strange. And just the idea that anything can really be art is kind of strange. Mm -hmm. You know, like from that more like intellectual perspective, if you're looking at art from like an academic point. For that reason, I think about those recycled art pieces, and I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I would love to talk a little bit about kind of the longer term or higher level environmental impacts of art. So that could be Mm -hmm. some of the traveling art shows that we talked about earlier today. I'm really, really interested in getting your perspective on that. Right. So we we were kind of like talking about like thinking off the top of my mind, like what is recyclable art mean? And that those materials are very recyclable, but those pieces have to be shipped. They're shown in galleries, they're shown in art fairs and in museums, which then could be traveling shows that could cross the country, can go across the world. So to that aspect, it's sustainable, but only to a certain extent because you're paying for shipping. Like these are very valuable items that must be cared for in a certain way. They must be shipped in a certain way. To that extent, not very sustainable. So that's just the object too. And then you can look at it from another perspective of people like, um, just the visitor to a museum, that's sustainable. You're going locally, you're checking out your museum, but there's the other aspect of people that travel across the world to go to these famous art fairs. You know, there's ones in Switzerland, there's ones in New York, in Miami, in California now, and people have to go to them. Like this is their job and you spend exorbitant amounts of money to attend these and you're buying these art pieces and then you have to ship them to your home, which is most likely not where the fair is. So to that extent, you know, when you're really digging into the background and like a lot more details into what art is other than just looking at an object, thinking about where it came from, what it took to build it, what it takes to get something to the location it's meant to be in, you know, you might want to run into some more problems sustainability wise. No, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up the idea of like what things are made of and where they go, because I am a really big fan while I do talk about waste quite a bit thinking about like the pre-consumer life of an object. So -hmm. just like, how did it get to you? Yeah, it's great that I'm like ordering my wool dryer balls on Amazon, but like if they're coming from Asia, they have a pretty high carbon footprint to get Mm -hmm. to my house in Arizona. So I think about things like that, not as often as I hope to, but something Mm -hmm. that I want to think about more. 
So in the idea of like this pre-consumer life of an art piece, Mm -hmm. I would love to kind of talk a little bit about the material side of it that we mentioned a little bit earlier. So just the idea of how are these art pieces being made? So just either a painting or a sculpture or some sort of interactive exhibit or something like that. How can we talk about sustainability from that perspective? Like a material standpoint. So I guess like historically, like starting from the beginning, I guess, when you had these more like classical forms, they're pretty sustainable. If you're thinking about where paint started from, like they're from minerals, they're from natural ingredients. So like that's as sustainable as you can get. Like they're very organic products. Again, like canvases, I mean, even thinking about like, you know, now they're made out of plenty of different things, but like animal skins, like that was like the first canvas, like you're writing on papers and even more like later, like linens and fabrics, like that's, it depends on where they come from, I guess, you know more about this than I do, but that's pretty sustainable. Even oil paints, I guess we kind of mentioned this earlier, but I guess you kind of have an issue with plumbing to a certain extent. Like when I took a couple studio art classes in my undergrad, you had a separate sink that was meant for washing your oils and like your paints. And it was like, they made like a big effort to say like, you really need to brush these off on like towels and paper first before you wash it down the sink. Cause that could cause a lot of issues and like, it could be contaminating. Um, I guess moving on from there, there was like a point where everything had lead in it. <laughs> Again, I don't really know, but like, that's not good. <laughs> But we've, we've moved on from there. I mean, like wood, anything they're thinking about, like sculptural wise is, I mean, plastics aside, but like marbles, all these things are very natural. I don't think there's a problem. Someone let me know if there is with these things. I think once you start thinking about installations or people that are using plastics, if it's meant to be an art object, you want it to last. So I guess that's good. And it's not like these people are throwing these away. Like it is meant to be. So I guess that's okay if they are made out of plastic. But yeah, I think you could find some problem areas, but also for the most part, material wise, I would say it's pretty okay. I don't know if this is what you asked me also, but I was kind of thinking of buying local versus global. Because obviously global is going to have what we discussed earlier, a lot more implications of wastefulness but to a lower level for people that can't afford that's this crazy expensive art that does require shipping and handling you could buy local art and that's probably the best thing you could do you're supporting local people they're using local products they're also buying their materials from local sources a lot of artists i know too like start out by using what's around them most artists when they start are not making a lot of money they're not buying extremely expensive materials that they're using what they can so yeah i think i just kind of answered five questions. I don't know what you originally asked me. (laughs) No, that's perfect. I like the idea of buying things locally and encouraging people to look Mm -hmm. at local artists and look at people who are using what they have. I feel like I love the idea of using art as a souvenir. Like when I travel somewhere, I think art is like the most valuable thing that I personally can bring back with me because you are supporting someone local. You are thinking about like the culture and the implications of that. And it's traveling with me. It's not necessarily like incurring its own right environmental footprints via the travel. Mm-hmm. So I think that I really like the encouragement of buying local, even if it's just something like you're going to your local farmer's market yeah. and there's an artist there who, like I remember in high school, there was this farmer's market in my neighborhood and there was someone who made these like really beautiful little terrariums, mm-hmm. like little terrariums with cacti in them or yeah. whatever it might be, air plants. And there were just like these really elaborate right. little rock mm-hmm. sculpture things 
And I feel like that's such an easy way to support someone locally. That's yeah. just like using what's around them and like making the most of a situation. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's this again limited doesn't apply to everyone but a lot of artists that I've been like researching lately they're like very inspired or have their like moment that they say is like this really changed my perspective and made me like move into what is known as my signature style or whatnot as beaches water you know like I don't know if this is like a bigger life thing but a lot of people start by saying like I used materials or inspiration from like the beaches and they're like my first sculptures were made out of things that I found on the beach and I know a lot of people talk about trash in the oceans as these things that float up on shore and you're picking them up and making them into something and it's it's literally trash it's not necessarily anything good but then when it becomes an art object all of a sudden has this meaning attached to it and like that's kind of nice because what else would you be doing with this you know to a certain extent it's going into a landfill that's what's happening like there's nothing else so a lot of it comes from like when you think about when artists get inspired it's something very local and they have like a lot of people have named some region that has given them their inspiration i think that is like a testament to these people aren't just having I i guess to a certain extent some people have like a burst out of nowhere that makes them do something but a lot of them are coming from nature and that follows through their practice of wanting to use sustainable things or things that are from nature or show nature or are from those materials i think that that's so interesting so i don't think a lot about like beaches inspiring people while i did mention earlier the idea of like beach trash being some sort of sculpture. that's what reminded me. There's one in the, I want to say it's like the St. Petersburg Airport that's like a large turtle or something like that. (laughs) But I think about that as like my idea of beach trash art. Yeah. And I think a lot also about the idea of people being inspired by what's around them. I think about like the most basic example I can think of is like a Van Gogh who just looks at like sunflowers, you know, fields, Mm -hmm. whatever was around him and that's what he painted and that's what he was great at. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit from, like, the very basic, hard environmental conversation mm-hmm. about art in a more... Um, like, activist way? Yes. Like, art Bringing from a social perspective. Because yeah. I know that's something that you're also very passionate about. And I think it's so interesting. Right. I think, again, there's lots... I mean, you could talk about anything with art. It's truly the most... <laughs> intersectional thing that you could possibly think of so yeah I think that's one material wise but honestly when you're looking at art maybe the first thing you think about is not the materials you're looking at content you're kind of thinking what is the meaning of this what am I getting from this object so yeah I mean I can't think of extremely off the top of my head someone who's working with hard environmental stances in their work other than just using those materials um But yeah, that's totally a possibility and people like react to that. You know, it's, it can be pushed into any way. You could do things for social causes. You can do things for politics. Obviously environmentalism is right in there too. So that's definitely a possibility and should be used more. Like I think it's obviously too a kind of like time frame that now and now we're, we're paying attention more to the environment that 80 years ago, I don't think anyone cared about this. This was not a topic. No one was ever using trash in their art 80 years ago. Or I think maybe they were, but it was not in an environmental sense. It was a total other stance on it. But now I think that's stronger and it should be stronger. I think too, it's, you kind of see it as like lower art. It's not like fit into the canon yet because it's so new. But I think that's something that it could be in the future for sure. You'll see more and more of it. I think that's really exciting to think about like the idea of 
a whole perspective on art, a whole like almost movement, maybe movement isn't the word that I want to use. Like movement seems like a very powerful word to use for like (laughs) environmentalist art. But the idea that you are again, just like using what's around you. And like Mm -hmm. right now we just like have a lot of trash around us. And like, that's what it is. And I also am interested in the idea of art as just like larger social commentary. Mm -hmm. The idea of art making political stances or art making stances on just our current societal norms. Mm -hmm. And from an art history perspective, I mean, like, art history does this all the time. You look at a historical period, you look at a piece of art, and you're like, what did that mean for this particular class of people? Right. What did that mean for this particular marginalized group mm-hmm. or this country or whatever it may be? So I also think it's just, like, really interesting to think about art as social commentary. Right. I think, like, when I took art history classes, that's what I looked at it as. Mm-hmm. I think, too, speaking to that is the more and more, I guess, present day you get, I think about art expanding the limits that it kind of had on itself. So again, you know, starting with very typical like paintings in salons and they must hang on a wall and we've expanded now to like installations and just crazy things that you wouldn't think of as like normal. And that to me is very powerful of having something that throws you off and makes you think about something where you're not just like, okay, this is a nice landscape. This is a nice portrait. This is, I mean, I don't know, like a good seascape. (laughs) And then now you have places that are like really making you think about something other than just purely aesthetics. It's not necessarily, you know, like we, we did this whole thing of conceptual art and it's, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's more about what it makes you think about and this like meaning and the significance behind it that I think we've moved even more into that where you see like these pop-up art installations that, you know, I don't know how much merit goes into the technical ability of these artists and maybe it's not about that anymore maybe they're not they can't draw well at all they cannot paint well at all but they can make some sort of interactive installation that 30,000 people will show up to in a year or some sort of installation that's more interactive to the viewer like unless you know a lot about fine arts, you might miss a lot just looking at a painting on the wall. But if you go to installations that have a broader cause, like you're saying environmentalism or a social aspect attached to them, then that's even better in my opinion. It's it's broader, it has a bigger audience that people don't feel scared going in there. And like, that's what you want. You want people to be more informed. You want them to experience it and, and walk away being like, wow, that was great. I'm gonna think about this more. So that fits in with, you know, these broader themes that you're not necessarily stuck to some small niche that you might be too scared to go look at. I have been thinking this whole time that you're talking about interactive experiences that are not necessarily like the norm, art, high, fine art standard. I'm thinking of the seven magic mountains that we went to (laughs) see this weekend. So um, for some context, I feel like a lot of people will have probably seen them at some point on the internet, but the seven magic mountains are like legitimately seven stacks of boulders off the side of the highway Mm -hmm. outside of Las Vegas on the way to Los Angeles. So painted neon painted neon. Yes. It is a stack of boulders and every rock is painted a different neon color. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting because we went out to see it just as like general fans of art, like interactive art people. Mm -hmm. And there must have been how many people like Eas- like a hundred. Oh, honestly. easily a hundred people standing on the side of the highway taking pictures in front of this stack of rocks. Right. And I thought that was so interesting because people were there for the photos. 
people were not there because they're like, wow, what an incredible art exhibit. People <laughs> exactly. are not there to go and appreciate yeah. the artist and like what he did. But at the same time, it's also really interesting from like the social perspective that like you can get all these people eight miles off the highway to stand in front of a stack of rocks <laughs> to take Instagram photos because it's an interactive experience. And, and then they'll art. think about so many other things that they never would have thought of because they're there. Like, all of a sudden, we're there talking with our friend, and he's going to, like, tell us about geology and all the different, like, rocks and, like, give us this whole, like, academic spiel about things that we never would have known if we didn't just randomly show up to this, honestly, like, Instagram spot. So, yeah, I think it's stuff like that where, like, please, like, be catchy. Like, do something that's going to get people in there, and ultimately, they're going to come out thinking about something that they've never thought about before. It's kind of like a trick, but it should be used more. (laughs) I think that's a really good way to put it. You have to like bamboozle people to just get them <laughs> to just get them thinking about art and get them thinking about like larger social commentary. Yeah. Like you don't have to be at a beach to have trash art, you know? Like everything's so interconnected and I mean again, this is going into like Instagram or social media of people able to share something over the internet and infinite amount of people can possibly see that. And just because you're not next to an ocean doesn't mean you can't work with that topic or just because you don't live near deforestation doesn't mean you can't talk about that in your art or that so many people can't learn about that like it's it's pretty incredible of the aspect of taking photos and sharing that and conversations that then start with the people that you're there with or on social media I think that's a different aspect of the art world that is so contemporary that honestly we don't really know how to handle it at the moment but it's really, really good. And I think that's just an even more proponent of sharing that message and putting your spin on your artwork and getting people to talk about it and talk about the right aspects of it. Absolutely. I think that's like just a really positive way to think about like art and social activism and just the idea that you truly have so much impact and perspective and influence and just value to give to people that are around you Mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily need to be in any sort of position of like high power or high social standing or whatever it may be and I think that's a really good way to I mean think about art absolutely but also think about environmentalism because there are a lot of things that you do in your day-to-day life that you probably don't think that people are paying attention to and they totally are Mm -hmm. and it's really really interesting to think about the impact that you have on everyone around you. Right. Because even, like, maybe you think that your, like, reusable grocery bag is no big deal, but other people are like, damn, Dana's really good at bringing her reusable grocery bag. Like, I should get on that. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, like, to a certain extent can go, like, when you're, like, telling stories or, like, it might not necessarily even be the grocery bag or the incredible exhibition in the museum that's highlighting something like there's so many different layers to what people want to talk about. They don't necessarily want to talk about this crazy in-depth art exhibit and like have some like scholarly conversation. Like some people want to just talk about like their plastic grocery bag sometimes, or like some people want to talk about like the incredible brand of paint or food or shampoo that's like really sustainable and is cut out some toxins. You know, it's like some of these aspects that are so small to these worlds, to the art world, to sustainability in general, life in general, like the small things are actually sometimes like the funnest that you're like really happy about that. Or it's it's more connecting than saying like, I bought some artwork that cost me a lot of money and like 
this is great artist. Like that, that matters, but then the small stuff matters too. I think that is a very positive note to end on. Dana, where Perfect. can everyone get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you do, if they want to talk about art, if they want to see your art? You can follow me on Dana Rodriguez Art. You can DM me any questions. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, no. Thank you so much for doing this. This is so fun. I, I loved feel like- it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dana. It was a lot of fun for me to just sit down with one of my really good friends and talk about something that we're both so passionate about. It rolled into a lot of really good evening conversation. So I hope it was a lot of fun for you. I really liked the idea of art and influence and political stance and social norms. And I think that's just a lot of fun to think about in a different medium outside of the strict environmental conversation that we might be having. So I will definitely go ahead and have all of Dana's info down below if you would like to get in contact with her if you have any more questions. And with that being said, if you have anything that you really want to hear on the podcast, I really do want to try and make it work. I want to answer as much as I can, and I want to get you the episodes that you want to hear. So if you have any other suggestions as to what you would like to see, please go ahead and reach out to me either via DM or via email. So you can follow us at Podcast, or my personal page is Laura E. Diaz on Instagram, and those are in the show notes down below. And then also just lauraediaz.com is where you can get in contact with me if you want to send an email. And then also with that, please don't forget to leave a rating and a review. I really appreciate it. And I hope you guys have a really great day. I will see you on Thursday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.